Hello and welcome to Bootstrap, the podcast for software bootstrappers. If you are running a software company or looking to start one, then this is the podcast for you. I'm your host, Steve McLeod. The following message is brought to you by Balsamic. Balsamic have decided to support the Bootstrap community by donating their sponsored airtime to some of our listeners. Today's guest sponsor is Help Ninja, a simple help desk system focused on bootstrapped businesses with low unlimited agents pricing and Gmail-like ease of use. Help Ninja lets you get your whole team on board so that they can delight your customers with the perfect reply. With docs, reports, social inbox, live chat, and other powerful features, Help Ninja has all the power of the big boys at a much more bootstrapper-friendly price. See for yourself. Try it out for free at helpninja.com. If you'd like to try Balsamic for free, visit balsamic.com go slash bootstrapped where you will find a promo code giving you an extended trial and a hefty discount. Today, I'm joined by Courtney Parkinson. Courtney is the founder of Parser. That's Parser with two R's, so maybe it's Parser. Welcome, <laughs> Courtney. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks, thanks, Steve. There's a few hard things to pronounce there, both the surname and the, and the name of the business. <laughs> I, I think I got close to the surname. Tell me again, Parkwison. Yeah. Parkwison, yeah. So you just, uh, you kind of just, I guess you just say the stuff you don't want to say. So wait, you say the stuff you want to say and, and leave out the rest. I had a uh, trouble every time I had to type your name out and preparing for this uh, this conversation, and then Parser with two R's. Why on earth did you give your product a, a name with an extra R on the end? I used to be a pirate. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, domain names, and uh, you know, at the time when I started the business, I I thought I'd have to have a .com, and uh, turns out a lot of people, and I and I wanted to go with the SEO play as well, so I thought having the Parser kind of name in it there were, there were about oh, i think five to ten thousand people searching for email parser every month so uh, that, that's kind of where it came from really um turns out that seo is not only about a domain name but you learn these things yeah you can do really well i think even with a bad domain name with the right content and strategy but i i understand what you were doing there that's that's a lot of traffic that you're you were trying to capture hey let's jump to the end of the story here yeah, and then sure. go backwards so <laughs> Yeah. Courtney, your product was recently acquired. Uh, congratulations on that. I think it's something a lot of the people listening to this podcast secretly or not so secretly dream about happening. Uh, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, you know, it's sort of surreal. I've listened to a lot of bootstrapped founders. I've listened to a lot of podcasts in my life. And even though I'm always actively involved in the community, you know, you, you hear guys like Rob Walling and, you know, numerous others really getting into great bootstrap businesses. And you think, why, you know, why can't I do that? And yeah, I suppose I'm just feeling really grateful for where it, it got to. It's been a yeah, a challenging journey, but a fun one at the same time. And um, yeah, so yeah, I'm wondering what's next, I guess. Are you happy that it was acquired or you're feeling a bit sad, almost like you've lost a favorite child? 
<laughs> there definitely is a bit of that. Like, luckily, I've, I've, um, you know, it's been acquired by uh, an individual in the US who I get on really well with, and um, you know, in working with him over the next few months, um, I think it's gone to a good home, if you could say that. Um, but yeah, you know, I think uh, eventually, um, my mind, or you know, I, I just, I got to a point where I, I thought I wanted to move on and try something new, and you know, um, also be able to use the money to, to pay mortgages and things like that. So it just made sense for me at my life stage. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations again. It's really good that you managed to get out of this. You made a decision, you went with it and there was enough money to do something like contribute to your mortgage and so on. Yeah, uh, that's right. I mean, it, it certainly, it will also help me to be able to, you know, it's in the, it's in the range where it'll help me to do the next thing a lot more easily than I did the first time. So um, that's that's positive too. So now that we've done the end of the, the conversation, let's go back to the beginning. Tell yeah. us in 30 seconds or less what Passover with an extra R is. <laughs> yeah, cool. So yeah, Passover is an um, email and PDF extraction tool. So essentially what we do is um, there's, a, there's a lot of little businesses out there that receive a lot of invoices, receipts, work orders, food orders, you know, just anything that comes in email or PDF. And we make it easy for you to extract that data and push it into over a thousand different um, third-party systems. So really, it's just a, I guess it's an automation tool. So listeners might, or regular listeners might recall that in September, in episode 106, I interviewed uh, Sylvester, co-founder of Passua which, yeah. uh, like you, is passive with one extra letter. And it sounds like quite a, a similar uh, product. So is it a crowded space? It's interesting. You know, I think, is it is it Sylvester? Is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, close enough. That's how I pronounce yeah, yeah. it. So, um, you know, they've they've really built a great product. And, um, you know, they, they started at a similar time to us. I actually remember finding them for the first time and then trying to work out when they started. And I, I reckon it was probably within a couple of days of each other, you know, so, and uh, another person familiar to the space is Moritz Dalsinger, I think you say his name. And, and, you know, he started Mel Parser and Doc Parser, you know, and those are really, if I could say probably the big three in the space. Yeah. And then you've got Zapier who have their free email parser too. So, you know, there's a few things out there now. When I started, it was really, as far as I understood the market at the time, it was just Mel Parser and ourselves. And how did you mentally cope with uh, knowing about these competitors and being able to see what they were doing? Yeah, look, I think I think there's going to be competitors in every every market. You know, the reason why I started was that, you know, there was no one really playing in the Microsoft space, which was my background. And, you know, I saw a lot of need for it in my consulting. And so I just figured the market's big enough for everybody. Mailpuzzle wasn't playing in that space, as I said, and their price sort of range was in a different kind of market. You know, a lot of Puzzle's customers are either uh, medium to enterprise size. And so they, they need a little bit more handholding. So I think, you know, different segments of the market too. So you said like you are in the Microsoft ecosystem. How does that affect your product? Does that mean it can only integrate with uh, certain Microsoft products? or that you do them really well, as opposed to doing everything kind of well, you just did Microsoft products really well? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting question. Like we, I suppose we 
I'd like to think we do them all well in that we integrate with Zapier and, and Microsoft Flow, but I think we just had a specific focus on the Microsoft space because, you know, of my background, I work for many Microsoft consultancies, gold partners who, you know, working in the SharePoint, OneDrive, um, Dynamics space. And, you know, my my little secret sauce deposit, which I'm happy to admit now, is, uh, you know, I just think that bootstrappers are very keen on obviously the open source market, very keen on the, the sort of Google side, but and Microsoft is a, is a very untapped market space, um, especially in the bootstrap scene, especially in, I think just generally, right? Like there's just a, a broad amount of customers there that are just waiting to be served. Yeah. And they've proven that they're willing to pay money because Microsoft, the Microsoft ecosystem's not cheap. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's very interesting how how little you hear about uh, products like this in the Microsoft space. In fact, the only big web application, famous one that I can think of, that's built on Microsoft technology is Stack Overflow. Otherwise, yeah, there you go. Yeah, otherwise everything else is just on uh, on Linux, uh, the open source, various open source stacks, and so on. Hey, yeah. I have a question for you. Why why did you start Parser exactly? Was it did it come out of the consulting work you were doing? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I suppose it started, I like to tell the story. I, I have C drive projects and in there's about 65 different little startups that I've started over time. Um, <laughs> Only 65? Oh, you must be a beginner at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like it, it's sort of, you know, starting businesses has been in my blood and I guess you know, ever since like probably 2006 or seven, um, it's just that I wasn't very good at marketing it, you know, and I finally, I think puzzle was probably the second time that I built something that solved a problem that I had experienced in the real world. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's amazing how many people say this, like, Oh, you know, they, they get into building a product that just, you know, just didn't, you know, didn't have, didn't have a problem space. Right. And so I actually experienced this. I had, two clients that had this issue where they wanted to extract information into SharePoint and there was no way to do it. So yeah, that's, that's how it started. I built, I built it for them just as a once-off. They paid me a once-off fee and then I realized that I could probably turn it into a SaaS. So that was your first one or two customers? Yeah, that's right. So pretty much so two customers, yeah. So how did you go from there to say 10 or so customers? Do you recall how you got those first 10 customers? And again, like building startups is luck. So I had this from working at Microsoft, I had this connection there in, in Seattle who said to me, well, you know, we're actually looking for SaaS platforms for a new product we're building called Microsoft Flow, which is now called Microsoft Power Automate. And it's exactly um, all due respect to, to Microsoft. It's pretty much a Zapier um, <laughs> you know, clone, I guess. <laughs> uh -huh. But yeah, so, you know, they realized that people wanted to be able to connect you know, connect integrations together. And so I said, hey, why don't you list? And I thought, oh, well, you know, I'll just, you know, maybe this is a channel that'll work. And it turns out that it works, it worked really well and still does today. It, so, does it work well enough to build a business on or just enough to have that little base on which you can build on? I would say, look, I mean, we went after SEO and if I had to put a number on it, I'd say 80% of our customers come from Microsoft Flow, 20% came from probably SEO, SEM, that kind of stuff. So, Wow. And that's because you got in early, do you think, to this Microsoft Flow ecosystem? Yeah, I think it is that we got in early. I also think that, you know, um, we really decided that 
because of that fact that eight and 10 customers are coming from there, we, we, you know, worked with the team at Microsoft in that, in that product space to, you know, just put out product updates. So whenever they, so we wrote articles for their blog, which was sent out to pretty much all of, you know, Microsoft customers, right? Wow. These blog articles were hosted on a Microsoft site, a Microsoft domain name? Yeah, that's right. I mean, they were more like wow. how do things. So like, you know, how do you extract information from an email and put it in SharePoint? Or how do you put it in Dynamics CRM? <sighs> yeah. And these all had links back to your site. Yeah, that's right. And and so, yeah, okay, I remember well, I the you... morning when, you know, some of those articles went out and was like just the support desk went mental. So, wow. yeah, it can happen. <laughs> Yeah. That's fantastic. The SEO side of my brain is just amazed right now that Microsoft was offering to that you guess post blog articles with links back to your site. That's just that's astonishing. That's that's luck, but it sounds like you knew were smart enough to jump on it when the opportunity was handed to you. Yeah, I mean, I think it's there's definitely a lot of luck there. You know, there's a bit of relationship building in that. You know, I, I, I happened to know the right people and formed the right relationships. So that was luck too. But, um, you know, I don't think that it can cannot be replicated by other people. And how did you build those relationships? Yeah, like I said, I knew somebody uh, that knew somebody in the Microsoft uh, ecosystem that was the first product manager for Microsoft Power Automate. And then it was a case of just reaching out to some of the other product managers, chatting to them. I think I even asked them if I could have a call and, you know, just introduce myself. Um, yeah, and you know, I, I I think that if anybody was to take anything from this, is that I just I just hit a marketplace really hard, and, and I just decided, well, that was that was where we were going to be successful. So a mistake I see beginners at bootstrapping make is that they don't focus on one channel for getting customers. They try a little bit of this, a little bit of that, 20 different things, a little bit of uh, blogging, some newsletters, uh, SEO, they make some videos, they do some advertising, but they don't focus on one or two of them and do it really, really well. And it sounds like you did focus on one channel and do it as, as good as best you could. I think that was a really sensible thing. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I try, like I have a I have a huge shiny object syndrome where, you know, I just <laughs> see the next butterfly coming past and it's like, oh yeah, we should go after that. But you have to focus, like if it's one thing I've learned is you have to focus. So if I understand correctly, in early 2019, you went full-time to work on Papasa with an extra R and before that it was uh, <laughs> a side project? Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's puzzle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you asked me, did I go full time? Yeah. So I was actually working at a company called Campaign Monitor, which you know a lot of people know as a competitor to Mailchimp. Also, you know, hundreds of million dollar company. So big in the email marketing space. And you know, I, I loved working there. A great place to work. But at the same, you know, nights were working on on Parser, and, and so a daytime engineering manager slash software developer there. And then at nighttime, it was like doing Parser things. So yeah, and you also have a family at home too, who probably yeah. wanted some of your time. Yeah, I actually wrote an article on this because I don't know how many bootstrappers are. You know, I suspect there are quite a few, but you know, just like time management's a big thing. You know, I've got a family with two two boys, four-year-old twins and a, and a wife and, you know, lovely and kind and caring wife, I might say. And, uh, you know, it just it like you have to be expert at time management to get this stuff done. It's not easy. 
And when you went full time, was uh, Pasa maybe you're not allowed to say after the acquisition, but was Pasa at that point sustainable? It was uh, something your family could live off. Yeah, I mean, at that time, I'm happy to say, like, it was doing probably, uh, I could say, nine, nine to nine to twelve thousand dollars a month. No, the the other little part to that was it was it was in that range where, and it was also paid in US dollars. The great thing about it was that every time Donald Trump threatened to attack somebody or, um, you know, it, it, you know, put out a tweet, I was just watching the like, currency you know, work in my favor. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's jump to that for a moment. I want to come back about the, the full time when you went full time. But you, sure. uh, you talked about currency exchange. That's because you're living in beautiful Sydney, Australia. That's right, yeah. One of the world's most beautiful cities, I think. How did you find it as a place for running a bootstrapped business? Yeah, you're right. So I live in Sydney. You know, Sydney is a beautiful city. Like like you said, I probably think it's one of the most beautiful in the world. It's expensive. Like, you know, it's not San Francisco range, but it's it's getting up there. So I suppose, yeah, it became, you know, you needed, you needed sort of with a family and a mortgage, you need sort of 10 grand a month to get out right like you need to be making that before you can you can start paying mortgages and things like that so um that's the one downside but obviously infrastructure is great beautiful place um you know there's lots to see here yeah so i think i and i think for me the weather and, and lifestyle was the reason why we chose to stay here what about time zones when it comes to supporting customers yeah i mean that, you've, you've asked a great question there it's uh, <laughs> if you don't like waking up early don't don't live in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, most of the customers in the US. And so I would wake up at about five. I mean, the kids would often get me up then anyway, but uh, my wife my wife goes out running at 4 a.m., so it's just a crazy household. But, yeah, you know, we'd wake up early and, and I would do support stuff for about three or four hours, and that, that would get me through US East Coast and kind of West Coast as well, the back end of the East Coast. So... Yeah, work. It actually worked pretty well. I'm in this situation at the moment, as you know. I'm in New Zealand for a few weeks, and none of our customers seem to be online when I am, <laughs> and my team also. So I'm completely async. I wake wow. up to answers to support questions in my inbox and emails from my team, yeah. and I answer them, and then they don't get them until I'm in bed. And I'm finding it. Partly a bit frustrating, but partly it's really good at that time boxing thing you mentioned. Yeah. If there's nobody to answer my emails, then there's no point in me being on the computer. So I go out and do something and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. yeah, that's great. I mean, yeah, I guess it is challenging. Like if you wake up any later than sort of eight or nine, then yeah, you've missed you've missed the boat, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which well, is good as that. You know. Yeah. I've always been a late riser, but with a seven-month-old, <laughs> those yeah. days are over. Can right, you hear the pain exactly. in my laughter? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I can hear it, yeah. I mean, it forced <laughs> you to go to bed early, right? Well, yeah, maybe, exactly. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I want to go back to you working full-time. Did you, When you went full-time, did you find that it substantially changed your business? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I would work eight to five. I'd get home, have dinner and then start working at about 8.30 till 10.30 at night um, on Parza. So it was only really two or three hours a day. And then weekends, like, um, you know, while I was – so, you know, it was side project and not many hours during every week. As soon as I went full-time, yeah, it really just gave me the time to have 
time with customers. And yeah, it, the, the MRR started to noticeably increase. That's that's really interesting because ultimately, for a lot of us, that's what it's about. If we go full time, we want it to financially pay off. Mm. Mm. So that was early 2019, and we're talking in early 2020. So a lot's happened since then. Yeah. But why did you decide to sell? Yeah, I mean, there's a few there's a few reasons for it. I mean, the first one, actually, primarily, which uh, is that um, we we have some we have some medical like issues with some of the well i guess medical requirements with some of the with one of our, our with my son harrison and um so you know i just like i wanted to be able to um, help him out and yeah i also got to a stage where yeah i you know i wanted to pay mortgages and you know just pay off a few things that i had outstanding here and Paz has been really great but i i'm one of those people that like to yeah, I do different things. I think I enjoy going from zero to one. I'm not sure I'm the guy uh, always that will run, you know, like a thousand person company. I'm not sure that interests me as much. So, you know, uh, running small teams, probably anything up until sort of 30 or 40 people interests me. But after that, it's, you know, I, I kind of want to move on to something new. So I've been doing puzzle for about three years. Okay. And it's beginning to get not so enjoyable for you anymore. Yeah, it just wasn't as, as enjoyable, yeah. and um, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the building building phase. The previous episode of this podcast, which will be published today while we're talking, but a week ago for people listening in the future, I actually talked about why I recently sold a, a desktop app that I had, and it's a quite similar. I had been doing it for so long, I just had no interest in it anymore. I found it really <laughs> hard to, after so many years to keep going through the the same thing day after day for a few years that was fun and then after that it just became a chore yeah i mean it, i think it does right and then did you find that you just lost interest and that was very hard to do support and stuff yeah yeah and i began to get i really began to resent some of our customers and the demands they would make yes. uh, which is not a good place to be no. uh, and it was in a, a market where i had kind of taken it as far as i was able to do with my skills and the acquirer has a, a much better set of skills in the areas of sales and marketing, and I know they'll they'll do a much better job. So I think it was also very good for my customers yeah. as well for the product. Hey, Steve, can I ask, did you go through FE International, or was it uh, someone else? Yeah. So I like I said, this is I talked quite a bit about this in the last episode, oh, so okay. well, uh, I won't go over in too much detail. Yeah. But I originally contacted FE International. They're yeah. very helpful with giving me a preliminary evaluation. But then it turned out somebody I knew from my personal network was very interested in taking it over. So ultimately, we didn't use them. Yeah, okay, um, makes, makes sense. What about yourself? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, we well, yeah, like I said, we we used FE, but um, you know, and I just, yeah, I mean, what a what a great experience, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. what everybody says about them. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the guys over there, they really get it. They've done it a thousand times, and this was my first time. And you know, I think. You can build a business, but selling one is like way more stressful. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, due diligence and things like that, but I just would know nothing about. They just helped me run through it. Did you contact them yourself? Yeah. And it was probably a five, four month process, four or five months process. So it was wow. a bit longer than I would have liked. Um, but yeah. Is that because of the all the due diligence or because it took a long time to find the right buyer? 
Yeah, due diligence mostly. You know, we had some issues. The fact that it was an Australian business, which I won't get into, but you know, some some weird issues with uh, Stripe and Microsoft Azure. So yeah. Oh, gee, what I found about Effie International is that when I told them I wasn't going to proceed with them, they didn't seem to be any harsh feelings, and they were very open about keeping the bridges uh, up so that I could come back to them in the future and. I, that just struck me as the epitome of professionalism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because they, they put a lot of work into into every single sale. Like I can imagine that there's tens of you know you know tens of hours of work. So yeah, yeah. Hey, I would want to go back a little bit. You mentioned uh, that one of your sons is have some costs related to health, and I don't want to ask too much because that's obviously a personal issue. But I think it also touches on something that doesn't get mentioned often we th- we forecast the future of our businesses and so on but we very seldom take into account that these life events happen and they really can uh make it harder to run the businesses in ways we don't imagine yeah i had something very similar well not very similar but i also had a really unexpected life event happen to me a long time ago which i also don't want to talk about but Boy, did it really upset the the path that my business was going on at the time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I uh, you know, I think it's I think it's not spoken about a lot. Is it? Is it Rob? Actually, Rob Walling's wife that talks a little bit about the psychology of founders, and I believe she has maybe some something around that. But you know, I, I just think that us as founders, like we we love talking about you know growing businesses and selling them, but we just never talk about you know, unexpected events, life events, yeah. mental health, you know, all that sort of stuff. Often if you have the right employer and something comes up in your life, they're often very supportive. You know, they can help you ensure that you don't need to worry about certain things. Uh, and when you're running your own business and you're the boss, actually there's no one to do that for you. It's ultimately it falls back to you. Yeah, you've got to have a very strong mind doing this. This is not, you know, building businesses, bootstrap businesses is not for, uh, I don't know if the word is South African, but we say not not for sissies, which is, you know, just not for <laughs> people that are not strong, right? Like you have to be, you know, mentally strong. And there'll be points where you're not mentally strong and you you got to figure out, okay, do I need to give myself a little bit of a break or, you know, I need to go out for a yeah. run, you know, whatever else. Yeah. And I rely heavily on my girlfriend to, to help me with that side of things. When I'm really yeah. stressed about something, I know I can explain it to her and, you know, she has to carry part of that burden herself, but it's really good to have a supportive partner and a supportive life partner in the in the enterprise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, is she involved in the software space or? Yeah, yeah, she's okay. quite, she's involved to a smaller degree than I am in the business, but she certainly is there doing her part Yeah, uh, yeah. quietly in the background. Yeah, I mean, supportive partners are like, yeah, it's not it's not essential, of course, but like you know, it's a, a key to one of the keys I think to our success as well. Yeah. So, Courtney, what's next for you? Are you working full time again now, or are you already looking to start a new business? Yeah, I, I've got the bug. I'll start. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love building businesses. You know, despite all this, despite some of the stresses that come with it, I, I do enjoy it. And if it takes years off my life, well, that's okay. I would have said I loved a good one. Um, but you know, I think um, I actually have some some folks that I that I've met just totally coincidentally at my tennis club while playing tennis, and they're in they're in the sleep apnea space, and so we're actually building out something in that space which. Uh, 
is going to be a, a mixture of of SaaS and e-commerce. So it'll be that'll be interesting. Huh. Yeah. And are you working on that already, or you're currently employed by somebody? No, so yeah, I mean, like Paz's acquisition probably means I won't have to work for somebody for at least, you know, at least a couple of months, maybe more. And so, yeah, we're really trying to give this sleep apnea thing a go, which is um, it's really just allowing dentists to be able to order sleep tests, which is really out there, but it, it's um, something we really have paying customers for. So that's exciting. Okay, well, maybe when that's uh, moved a little bit in its life. We can get you back on, and we can talk about that. Yeah, um, sure. Probably sleep apnea is something that a lot of people on the <laughs> a lot of our listeners are, are concerned about. Yeah, I look, it's uh, I didn't realize how big the space was. So, so what have you learned from from running and selling Parser that will change the way you do things next time? That's a great question. Yeah, I mean, I think you know, I think it's various channels. So focus on, so focus on one business. That's that's the one thing. I mean, I've tended to try and think, okay, I got Parza, I'll do something else. You know, which I tried, and that doesn't work that well. And you know, I think the other thing that I've probably learned is is focus, focus on marketing channels that work. I'm dabbling in various different channels is whilst good to test you know you really have to do what works and if you find one that works just hit it really hard <laughs> yeah so, so so what i've heard there is focus on one product yeah too easy to just go off chasing other things focus on one or two marketing channels that work and when you find one that works really hit it hard yeah i think so because you know, I mean, and that's that's how you'll. I think you'll build a great bootstrap business. Um, you know, if you think, think about raising money, that's a different story. Yeah. Okay, Courtney, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Just like, yeah, great to be honored to be on the show, and yeah, great, great chatting to you, Steve. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we'll have a link to Pass uh, Pass uh, in the oh, show notes. Where can people find you if they'd like to keep in touch or maybe know more about the sleep apnea product? Yeah, sure. So you can keep in touch with me. I'm on Twitter at Courts, so C-O-U-R-T-Z-Z. Can you see the theme? Like double, it was a double consonants on the end of every every word that I have. Yeah, you can email me at Courtney at at parser.com otherwise yeah the sleep apnea product in fact we got paying customers we don't we don't really have a website we have an app which is uh, at sleepapp.com.au so there's a bit of a com.au that's for australia yeah that's for australia so we're focusing on australian market first um but yeah you've got paying customers before a website you're doing something right and so we actually have a we have a SaaS app on the back of that, which yeah, it's you know we've got we've got six bank customers, and um, you know we've been building that out first, and that's been through a direct sales through one of the guys I met, so he's been putting it out there in his travels, and yeah, so that's interesting. Going, I got lucky there, really. Wow, sounds good. Can't wait to hear more about it in the future. Yeah, thanks. So listeners, if you'd like to discuss more about today's topics, please go to our forum at bootstrapped.fm and join the conversation. Uh, Thanks again, Courtney, and have a nice day. Yeah, you too. See you, everybody. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm. Until next episode, goodbye. Thank you.